Good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Valentine's Day, or at least having a good one, whether it's fantastic or not. But I hope for you couples, you have your significant other and you're showing them something special today and giving them something special. If you forgot it's Valentine's Day, as Larry said, sorry and good luck, all right? But uh, Valentine's Day is kind of why we spend February as a culture talking about love. And so I figured this month would be a great time for me to do the same thing. So throughout the whole month of February, I'm going to be sharing some sermons that regard to love in some ways. Last week, talked about love, and basically my main question was, what in the world even is love? And I don't know what you took away from last week. Maybe you decided that love is like when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. I hope not. Because what I shared and what we look through in Scripture is love is so much more than just the things we think it is here on this earth, the things our culture says it is. It's more than the feeling, it's more than the lust, and it's more than the never-ending care. To put it super simply, what I said love was, was God is love. And so God is love and He sent His Son, that sacrifice, that purpose, and He watched Him be tortured beaten, sweat, blood. He was so stressed out. He watched all of that and he still said, yes, son, do it. I'm I'm sitting here watching it happen. And that's what true love looks like. And I think that's incredibly powerful, but also incredibly hard. So I also challenged us to say, let's try and love like God. We'll never quite achieve it, I don't think. It's like trying to live like Christ. We're going to try every day to be like God in His love. Just like we're trying to be like Christ in His sinlessness. It's an everyday battle for us as Christians. Love is something that's hard to grasp. And I hope you guys gathered that last week. And I shared scriptures and I shared perspective, but our goal is to love like God. Love like Christ. And it's, it's simply hard. But I think our goal for us as Christians is is to do that, is to try and love like God, love like Christ. So that brings up the question, how did God and Christ love here on this earth? How should we love like them here? Well, we read this first verse for our opening, Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, four verses here. This is out of the NLT up here. Let's read it again says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in, in the law of Moses? And then Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all it demands and all the prophets are based on these two commandments. Well, Seems like Jesus is pretty good at simplifying sometimes too. But let's take a step back and think about the context that we're at here. When this is asked of Jesus, the Pharisees are poking him. They're trying their best. They're saying, this guy, we're going to prove he's not who he says he is, and we're going to make him mess up. Let's ask him, out of all of the Levitical law, out of all of the Old Testament, what the one thing is we are to follow. See, the answer to that was 
There's no one thing you can follow. It's a big book of laws to them, right? But yet he answers one thing, two things, kind of, but he answers with one thing. Jesus didn't fall for the trap. Instead, he gives them a really, really meaningful answer. He says, the first commandment, the important one, is love God with all of your being. Heart, mind, soul, all of it. All of your being. And the second, it's not really a second at all because it's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So his answer to their big book where they, you couldn't answer with one answer, he said, here's my one answer. Love. That's what all of it is about. Now, that baffled them. But really, this has been echoed throughout the New Testament ever since Christ. Um, multiple authors. We have Paul in Galatians. He says in, in verse uh, 14 of chapter 5, he says, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You should love the na- your neighbor as yourself. James says it in chapter 2, verse 8. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself and you will be doing well, or you are doing well. So, love your neighbor. It's right up there with love the Lord your God with all of your heart, as what Christianity is all about. Jesus said it, Paul echoed it, James echoed it. Love your neighbor. But how do we do that? How do we love our neighbor? Well, I don't think it's super easy either. And I don't think what I'm going to give you today is going to do it for you. I think you're going to have to practice it. But I want to give seven ways to love our neighbor. Seven ways that we can love our neighbor. Jesus said, love your neighbor. And it seems really, really important that that's part of our Christian walk. Before we get into it, though, let me talk about a part of it. Let's go back to this first verse. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Second, equally important, love your neighbor as yourselves. You ever listen to the second part of that? Love your neighbor. That's what we're going to talk about today. But there's a second part. As yourselves. Well, that sounds really selfish. (laughs) What? How am I? I'm supposed to love myself? Yes. I want to tell you that our culture sometimes has manipulated that now to mean more than it should and mean something completely different. You're to love your neighbor, but you can't do it unless you love yourself because that's how you're supposed to love your neighbor, as the way you love yourself. So what I'm going to tell you today is you should absolutely love yourself. But here's what it's not. Loving yourself is actually not selfish. It's not out of envy or jealousy for what other people are doing. It's not trying to be like everyone else. But here's what it is. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29, talks about our own flesh. 5.29 of Ephesians says, For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. What can we take out of this verse? I'm going to say we can take, yeah, you need to love yourself. And here, it's talking about taking care of yourself, making sure you are loved and taken care of as a body, as a person. You take care of your own needs. Why? 
Well, that's exactly what Christ does for the church. So we take care of our own. But here's what's really, really important. I've just said a few things about loving yourself. Here's why you need to love yourself. God created you. He created you specifically to be you. He made you in his own image. Kind of something powerful. Something worth loving about yourself. He made you to be special and specifically you. He didn't make you just a lump of goo. He didn't make you the dirt. He made you a human. That's you. With your own thoughts and your own brain and everything. David talks about this in Psalm. Psalm 139. Talking about, I guess, his vision of what that time was like. And he says, For you, talking to God, you formed my inward parts. My inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. David got a little wordy there. He got a little Bible sounding. What did he say? He said, God, you made me. You took every piece of me and formed me when I was not even born. Before the earth even began, you thought that you were going to make me someday. And then you made me fearfully and wonderfully. You're special. You should love yourself for that. You should love that God made you, you. So before we even talk about seven ways to love your neighbor, it's okay to love yourself. Don't get caught up in how you think you're better than God or others, but love yourself because God created you. A lot like our Bible class, we get to be the creation from the Creator. Something worth loving. All right, so seven ways we can love our neighbor. I won't hold you back from that any longer. Number one, love others the way you want to be loved. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 is the verse I selected for this, and I'll try and give at least one verse for every one of these. Matthew 7, 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. Love others the way you want to be loved. This one ties right back into the fact that we love ourselves, right? We know we are created and special. The point of loving others is to extend that genuine concern for that special and created person. Extend that genuine love to them. Think about how you would like to be loved. That's where I kind of got with this. I was like, you know, there's some times that I really felt loved on. What were those things in those times, and who are those people? That's who I want to be. That's how I want to show love to my neighbor. So, I encourage you to think about how you can make people feel accepted, cared for, loved on. How would I want to feel? How have I felt when people have done that to me? Love others the way you want to be loved. That's loving our neighbor. It's loving our neighbor. And remember, you and me and them are all special, created from God. All right. So love others the way you want to be loved. That's how you love your neighbor. Number two, love with empathy. 
I was talking to Courtney when I was writing this down, and I was like, empathy is a weird word. We don't use that very often. Should I keep that as a heading? Empathy? She's like, yeah, it's just such a good word. So here it is, defined. What is empathy? Well, the way I defined it is it's identifying with the feelings and hurts of, other, of another as if it was happening to you. So, Northeast Montana boy talk, put on somebody else's boots, walk a mile in their shoes, feel the feelings that they would be feeling if it were you. Empathy. So, love with empathy. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Sounds about like walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. It says it right here though. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Sometimes it literally means sitting next to someone and seeing that they're sad and being sad with them. That's what weeping with those who weep, right? Trying to understand exactly what's happening. Not trying to understand to fix it, but trying to understand to be with them. That last piece I just said is my hard part. There might be some other people in this room agree, maybe you don't care to fix it. Seeing somebody weep hurts. Especially when you're trying to understand, because then you feel all of the pain with them. It's not there to fix it, it's there to be with them. That's what empathy is. So weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Thank goodness there's the opposite side of that as well, right? When somebody is joyful, be joyful with them. Don't try and examine the reason that they're joyful. I think sometimes we try and do that. Don't try and say, I don't know if this is joyful enough. Just be joyful with them. You know, sometimes I disagree with the reason that people are happy. Sometimes I see something and I'm like, that's actually a, a curse just waiting to happen, but I'm glad you're happy. See, we just need to rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. This verse is great. I, I, don't even, I shouldn't even talked about it. It's, it's got it all right there. Romans 12, 15. So us paying attention to someone, trying to put ourselves in their shoes and feel that em empathy, that's how we can love our neighbor. We can be sad with them. We can be happy with them. We can be with them. That's how you love your neighbor. So love with empathy, and then love by praying. Love by praying. Ephesians 6.18, this one's out of the New Living Translation, says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all of the believers everywhere. This verse right here ends talking about the believers. But I think pray in the Spirit at all times and every occasion. Well, that'll open that up to your neighbors, whether they're believers or not. Because they're all people in all occasions, right? So what are we to do? Well, I think we've all experienced powerful prayer. Last week during our praises, I think Chancey said some, uh, you know, praise about someone coming out of and healing. And he said, it's amazing what the power of prayer can do over doctors sometimes. And I was like, yeah. It's amazing what prayer can do. We all know that power. Prayer can be powerful. So let's not forget to use it to love on people. How can we use it to love on people? 
Well, here's how you shouldn't use it to love your neighbor. Don't just say, ah, I'll pray for you. And then never pray for them. Tell you what, that's uh, one of my biggest pet peeves that I still do. Because when I say, hey, I'll pray for you, and I never do it, I'm a liar. And I have so many opportunities to pray for them. I could pray with them right there. I could say, you know, and just bow my head and do it silently right then. Or I could do it with them. I could get done with my conversation, and before I start the next one, just be like, God, did you hear what they asked me for prayers for? I lift them to you. Pretty straightforward. But here's what usually doesn't happen. I usually think, oh, I'll take that home and, you know, before bread, or before bed, or before bread, depending. I'll pray for this person. And I just don't. I forget about it. I don't pray for them, even though I told them I would. So, how do you pray for someone? Do it. Really actually do it. And you might pray for people in your personal prayers. You might do it publicly with them. You might do it silently. I don't think it much matters. It's just actually telling people that I'll pray for you and then lifting it up to God. Here's another aspect of this. Maybe you don't have to tell people you're praying for them. Love your neighbor. If we're thinking in the literal sense, you've got a neighbor at the house next door, you can still pray for them whether they asked it or not. Love your neighbor those people around you that you see in your life, you can still pray for them whether they know it or not. You lift it up to God. And you know what? That can be really, really encouraging. When people have actually prayed for me, whether I've asked for it or not, there's been times that has filled my heart so much. There's been times that if that's just made my terrible day, okay. And so it can be encouraging. It can be some of the most encouraging things. So, pray for your neighbors. That's how you can love them and encourage them because I think these two are basically one. I think when you pray for people, you encourage them, but also you can encourage them other ways, right? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you might be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Proverbs 16, 24 Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. Ooh, encouraging words. They can be prayer, and then they go much further than that, don't they? Number three was to pray for people, but number four is to encourage them. Lift them up, pray for them, and tell them that you are appreciating them. Tell them that they are encouraging you and encourage them back. Use your words. It's okay. It's not scary. And I'm telling you to go encourage your neighbor or encourage those around you. But how do you do that? That's what I'm not going to tell you the specifics of. Because it's different the way you do it, every one of us. And it's different the way you receive it, every one of us. Some of us might need gifts. Some of us might need a letter or a phone call. Or I'll tell you one for me. I got one on Wednesday saying, hey, we miss you here on Wednesday. We loved when you guys were here. That was encouraging. Because I know that there's still people anywhere in the world that still love me. A text message can go a long way. So, encourage one another. That can be praying for them, but it can also just be a text message. It doesn't have to be that hard. Think about how you'd want to be encouraged again. 
Sometimes it's the small things that make a big difference. Love, pray, and encourage. All right. Number five, how can we love our neighbor? Love when others hate. Love when others hate. Proverbs 17, 17 out of the ESV. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. What's a friend do? Loves at all times? What times does that uh, exempt us from? None, (laughs) unfortunately. It's sad, but it's true. Our culture is pretty filled with hate. Or at least not love. I think it would be hate. You don't believe me? Grab one of these things. Pop onto social media or the news. Probably just Google. And you can find some love within probably, or some hate within probably 30 seconds. Try the challenge if you don't believe me. Our, our culture is consumed by it. Our culture is consumed by, instead of loving on these people, let me call them out over and over and over again and literally hate on them. Haters. A culture full of haters. So, what are we supposed to do in the midst of that? Well, be intentional about loving. Love when others hate. So be intentional. Maybe it's on social media. I don't know. Maybe it's in real life. But make sure you're loving other people because there's so much hate. And sometimes that's hard to do. Because you know what still happens? People still frustrate me. I still disagree with a lot of people. Again, we're talking about social media. There's still a lot of people I disagree with on there. And you know what? I could tell them lots of things about how wrong they are because they are dumb, right? But here's the problem with that. It's really hard to tell someone how dumb they are in love. It can be done. It takes a lot of work to get there. So what am I saying? Well, maybe we set that aside, share love, and maybe we'll get to that dumbness factor. Maybe not. But love has to come first. Even if I disagree with your lifestyle, your politics, your outlook, your ideas, your, your agendas, whatever, I'm going to love you first, even if you're real dumb. This doesn't just apply on online. It applies in real life. And it's the weirdest thing. I think the reason that this one hit me so hard is on Friday, we were at a certain big box retailer that many people here are employed in the managerial position of. <clears throat> and there was a guy stocking the shelves in the row over. And uh, I've met this guy a couple of times. He's a hoot. But he's stocking things on, on the shelf and he just says, ah, oh, crap, these boxes are so sticky. And I'm like, okay. This guy's whining. I'm like, whatever. But the guy that was in the row with him was like, oh, you want me to hug you? I was just like... And then the guy goes, what? And I don't know if he heard him or not. And that guy turned around and was chuckling to himself like, oh, you want me to hug you? That's a good one. And I was just like, hmm. Maybe he didn't hear him. That would have been the best thing. Maybe that what was really, I have no idea what he said. But also maybe he did hear him. And he was just kind of heartbroken because he had a hard, hard day at work. His boxes were sticky. I mean, that sucks. I get it. And this guy was just like, I don't care about you, little whiner baby. So, 
I don't know, I was just really taken aback by that. So I was just like, I walked around the corner. I'm like, I don't know what to say to this guy. So I was just like, sorry, your boxes are sticky. And he was like, yeah, it's, it's maple syrup, I think. And he kept going. And we talked, and he talked more than I was ready to talk, but it was okay. I just wanted him to know that if he had heard that rude, mean, hateful comment, that that's not how everybody thought. And I didn't really know what to say. I just said, I'm sorry. Sorry your boxes are sticky. See, loving when people hate, it's the weirdest thing. Sometimes it's just being awkward and saying, hey, I don't feel like that guy feels. I mean, I will give you a hug if you want it, but it's not, I'm not being snarky about it. So, love when others hate. Online, in person, I don't care. It's hard, it's awkward, do it. All right. Love with your words. Step number six, six suggestions. We got one more after this. Love with words. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. Well, thank goodness we have this verse. So glad that this verse is here so I know not to say that one word in public, three words maybe. Those are the words I can't say in public. That's not what this verse means. It starts there and it says, don't use foul or abusive language. It's a challenge probably to most of us. But what's it go on to say? It says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. As hard as it is to not say a couple, three, four words in public, this is way harder. This is way harder to live and speak so you're good, helpful, and encouraging. But man, I was thinking about it. And those people that speak highly to me, nicely, kindly, helpfully, encouragingly, I like those people. I kind of feel loved by them, actually. They give me the time of day and don't just push me off and say, oh, yep, sounds good. They talk to me and they encourage me with their words. So, the hard part is maybe not just policing your language, but it's policing it to be encouraging and helpful and good. So, how do we love our neighbor? Well, we speak to them encouragingly. We're helpful. And so, this one's a hard one for me. The first part, slightly hard, especially at certain occasions, working with a wrench or something. The second part, though, that one's really, really hard. My whole life to be encouraging and helpful and good with my words because I want to lift up those who hear them. So, love with your words. All right, last one I've got for you, number seven. Love when the opportunity arises, which is uh, pretty much always, spoilers. Love when the opportunity arises. Galatians 6, verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are in the household of faith. Number seven way to love your neighbor is actually pretty simple because it's take the opportunity. When we see the opportunity, take it. Here's the challenging part. Sometimes we see the opportunity and we say, man, that's a good opportunity for someone else to take. We do it as a church sometimes too, collectively. We say, hey, we see a need. We can, somebody else will take care of that need. 
but we do it even more personally. So what I think the challenge with this one is, is take the opportunity. It's not just see the opportunity and say, oh, that person needs love, Don. That person needs some encouragement. That person needs some prayer. It's, all right, I see it. I got to do it. It's my time to do it right now because the opportunity is in front of me and I'm not going to miss that. I'm not going to miss that. So don't skip it because sometimes it's inconvenient. Absolutely. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes you're busy. Sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you're just really drained of people, but yet the opportunity steps right in front of you. (laughs) I guess you could call that the Walmart guy, right? His boxes were sticky. He was right next to me and noisy, so the opportunity was there. So don't skip the opportunity, even though it's inconvenient, even though it's tiresome. Love your neighbor. So, seven ways to love your neighbor on Valentine's Day. I hope it's a good Valentine's Day for you, and I hope you're taking that time with someone special. But we have a lot of special neighbors. Got a lot of special neighbors who we can take just small opportunity to love, and when we do that, we show Christ. Small opportunity to pray for, encourage, or love when they are being hated by the rest of the world. Sometimes we'll show the gospel greater than we ever could say it. Sometimes it'll feel like it did absolutely nothing. Don't be discouraged by that. It's not for you to decide what happened. It's only for you to decide to love your neighbor. So that's my challenge today, is we know we are loved by God. We saw last week how God is love, and we are trying to be just like that. Sacrificial, purposeful. Loving our neighbor is like a little bit of that. If we loved our neighbor perfectly, we still wouldn't love as great as God does. But take these seven steps. We love by praying for them, encouraging them, continuing to love when everyone hates. We love with the things we say, and we love at every opportunity. That's how we love our neighbor. Let's go love some people this week. Let's go love on them.